What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops podcast. Um, as you guys know by now, for about four or five weeks now, uh, I recap the latest happenings in the NBA uh, with two idiots from my fantasy basketball league. Uh, this week, we got two new debuts. Kyle's been on my ass for about four or five months uh, trying to get on this pod. He's a big-time producer now, so he's been on the road, but he's finally back and uh, finally got uh, some time to, to chop it up with him. And then I got his boy, Drew, who you guys you guys are roommates? Nah, so Drew's just visiting from uh, L.A. Um, I feel like every time you send a snap, Drew's in it. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been good almost like, what is it now? Six weeks in New York just here, so yeah, I've been here a lot. Yeah, live another couch. That's nice. So if you're able to yeah. do that, bro, I, I, I'm all for that. But you guys know each other from USC? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm uh, I'm stoked to have you guys on. I'm glad you're both doing well. Um, let's just let's, – honestly, let's just jump into this thing. Um, for those of you that don't know, Kyle, I'm actually – or not Kyle, Drew, I'm actually very curious. Are you uh, – do you have a team or are you more of a, just a player guy? Either way is cool, but I, I have no idea personally. Yeah, no. It's, so I would say from San Diego, we never had a team, obviously. I guess actually the Clippers were there for like, what, a year way back. But um, because of that, I was always big in college basketball. So I always mainly all players. But once I went to USC, you know, everyone there is huge in basketball. But I was one of the Lakers are trash. But I just started on the Lakers. And so I, now I do associate myself as a Lakers fan. But it didn't really start until college. Gotcha. Okay, so it's Lakers, but it's not like this deep-rooted Lakers history type of deal. No, no, exactly. I would always follow players. Like, one of my favorite college players was, like, Kevin Durant. Sorry, Kyle. Was uh, (laughs) Kevin Durant and stuff. So, like, Rich was like, oh, following him or following, like, LeBron. He was always a huge fan. So, gotcha. um, yeah. Cool, cool. Well, for those of you that don't know, Kyle is a Thunder fan. You are the only Thunder fan I know. In my whole life, um, and I know a lot of basketball fans. Can I, I think you've told me before, um, so I apologize that I don't remember. But what is the reason that you like the Thunder again? You're definitely not from Oklahoma City. No, not at all. So I liked the Thunder for a long time. Actually, was like I was a Sonics fan first for like no good reason. I just kind of grew up in LA, and but like I wasn't born in LA. So like when I got there, everyone was a Lakers fan. I was just like that annoying dude who didn't want to root for the Lakers because everyone else did. Yeah. So like, when I got like. NBA like 2002 or whatever for my first PlayStation. I just like using Ray Allen, so that just kind of stuck with me. Yeah, so I was like I'm with the Lakers. Ray Allen is sick, so I'll be a Sonics fan. Perfect. I like that. So that story works for me too. Um, yeah. And so that, that's a perfect segue. We are actually going to start this podcast with extremely rare, but talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, and I know that's again a pretty rare, rare topic. You don't see a lot of that in the na- national media. Um, but I think it's, it's a, it's a really interesting piece for me because I, I don't know about you guys, but one of my favorite things, uh, to do when I'm consuming the NBA is just, you know, look at it from a team building perspective, um, and break things down from that. end. and obviously there's a lot of really good basketball teams in the league right now. The talent is, is super, super, uh, prevalent all around the league. Um, but the Thunder have gotten some, I feel like the, the, I, I want to ask you this for first, Kyle, what is the perception of the thunder with okc fans right now because obviously you had that great run with 
you know, Russ, KD, Harden, then you had the baby runs that came with after that. You guys have been solid for a while. And then you go through this very, uh, I don't know the right word, maybe aggressive style of rebuild now, um, where some people are all aboard and like, hey, if you're not first, you're, or if you're not first, you might as well be last and, you know, give yourself the best chance to be first again. Um, and some people are like, hey, like, when will this ever translate? Would you say the fan base is bought into how they're going about this? I'd say like 99%. Like, and, and I haven't even encountered the 1% anywhere. Granted, I don't physically live there, but like I'm on the Thunder. Right. Reddit, I'm like in Thunder Twitter and everything. And like, I think it's because the guy who's like Presti's running it and everyone's seen what Presti can do. Like he's the guy who, are, who like was the architect of the last team that worked. And he clearly yeah. has a plan. Like it might not be a good one in, in retrospect when we get in the future, but like he clearly has something he's working towards. Um, and I think that's enough to get people comfortable for now. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't know what the pulse was because I'd say in the broader media, I would say I'm starting to hear a little bit more of, all right, we haven't seen enough progress, but when I look at this thing, I, uh, I think it's still, people forget it's still super early on, you know, like they were in the bubble, like very recently with Chris Paul. And this is like still super, super early on. And I would watched, uh, I haven't watched a ton, a ton of Thunder, but I've watched a lot of them recently. And every single game, they are so competitive. And I watched that game. I don't know if you got a chance to watch the, the game yesterday against the Celtics, but Shea wasn't even playing that well. No one was really playing that well. They were down 20. But there was like this overwhelming, just like calm with them. Like they weren't tripping about it and they were just going at it each possession, like regardless of the score. And it there just seems to be a really, really good vibe around this team. Um, do you think this is the best way to go about it? I'm a pretty big fan of what Presti's been doing. Cause like, I think, and this is just kind of my read into it. Um, yeah. But I think his like clear strategy is he's just trying to get a star somehow. So like, I think SGA is probably more of like the one B than a one A. And so I think, and that might be a hot take. I don't know, but I just, I just don't oh, see I, him being like. I think I agree. I, I'd put him a one and like, yeah, but I, I wouldn't even go, yeah, one or two. I think he's a one B, which I think is fair. I don't even think that's a slight, you know, there's very few. Yeah, totally. No, I'm a huge fan of him. He's like so fun to watch. He's, Signed a max, he signed an extension with us, which like a lot of people wouldn't have done. Um, and so he's clearly bought in, which I think speaks to what we're doing a little bit. But yeah, no, I think Presti's plan is pretty clear. He's like clearly trying to get these like very versatile players. And I think the other thing he's like trying to do that might be overlooked a little bit is like the way he's building out this team is like keeping all of his options open going forward. So like all the guys he's picked up lately, like Baisley, Poku, Giddy, like these dudes are like freaks for better or worse like and, and i know giddy's not like a freak athlete but the fact that someone is so big and like play the point comfortably is that's freakish right like yeah and, and so these are the dudes, yeah like they're the kind of dudes that like the thunder have all these picks that they get joked about right like now they can take whoever they want with those picks in long term and they'll fit in with these guys because they're also versatile so i think that's kind of what he's trying to do and then i think the only position where we don't really have like a long-term viable piece is center right now so I, I think the plan is probably just to, I, I know he went hard after Mobley this year trying to trade up. I was going to ask. Yeah. I, so, so the reason, the reason, because in theory, you know, as this, this draft is a great example of it for me. Like 
you have all these picks. You had six, the sixth pick. I know they really like Giddy, and Giddy looks honestly like a home run to this point. Um, why not like package five, six of those first on top of whatever to go get a Mobley? But you think they tried to do that and just Cavs weren't down? Yeah, I think that's what happened because a lot of the Thunder, like there's a few Thunder beat reporters that are like really tapped in, and that was the chatter. Like, the chatter draft day was giddy. Like, that pick got leaked a few hours in advance. Um, and then Mobley trade. And so I think that's clearly where his head's at, and he, like, knows that's a need. But what's cool is, like, this is the Chet draft, right? So I like, – And there's other great centers in this draft. I'm not a huge college basketball guy, but there, there's some good bigs available in this draft. Definitely. And it, Chet just looks like if Poku, like, became whoever wants him to be, that's, like, damn near what Chet is already. So, like – I, I just, to me, it feels like a natural fit that, like, he's probably going to, if it, it might not happen, but he's definitely going to pick up the phone and offer, like, every pick we have to try and get him. And and yeah. it's cool to have that option and he can fit, like, that would be a nuts team with, like, because Chet can handle the ball, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm huge on Chet. A hundred. Like, hundred percent. My, my thing, too, with the Thunder that I really like is, yeah, that they haven't landed that. Obviously, they got Shea. You know, they got Giddy from this draft. They haven't landed this crazy crazy piece maybe yet but i love how it, it just feels like they're clearly building each year there, it feels like there's a direction it doesn't feel you know mindless or just hopeless like it, it, it feels like even in losses there's steps being taken and you look down the line and, and that's why i want to talk to you about poku too like dort has gotten so much better since he arrived right SGA has honestly gotten way better since he's arrived. I, I've actually been super impressed with Ty Jerome. I don't know about how you guys feel. Uh, I, I think he's a hoop, personally. Obviously, there's there's areas that he could still work on. But uh, I've just been impressed that every single person that steps on the court has gotten better. Um, but I do want to get both. Drew, I, I'm not even trying to freeze you out, bro. Kyle's just a huge Thunder fan. So I'm, I'm throwing him <laughs> early. Yeah, I just want to make sure you knew. But uh, – and feel free to chime in if you, if you watch these guys too. I think the swing pieces are are Baisley and and Poku. And you know I'm a big Baisley guy, uh, but like there are still some concerning things with him for sure. Uh, but I I'm not I might be the only I just I don't necessarily see it with Poku. I, I really don't. Um, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion on that guy because everyone seems to love him. I know it's super early. Can't write guys off really even three, four years in. So, but, but I just, I don't see every time I watch him, I don't see him really do much of anything positive. So um, are you guys still in on Poku? I think, so I think like the way I look at it is I'm probably in on him with the understanding that there's like an 80% chance he's out of the league in like five years. And that's, and like with that pick, I think Presky probably knew that too. But if things break right, like he's going to be a problem. Um, like there was the game, it's one of my lead, it's probably one of the worst games of Thunder history last year, like the game we needed to lose in order to like move up in the lottery. And you beat the Clippers. Like, dude, he, he hit like 15 threes. <laughs> we, we were running him at point to tank and he could not miss. And yeah. I was like, Thunder fans were so pissed off. And like everyone's like, Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. of course, A, right? But like you see glimpses where he's like, he's what, like standing near seven feet tall, just splashing from all over the place, crossing dudes yeah. up, bring all off the court, like. There's not many dudes on the planet who can do that. So 
I'm in on him just because I've seen him do it. Now, will we ever put it together? Will we ever, like, defend guys who he's supposed to defend? I don't know. Um, yeah. But, like, I think also the Thunder are kind of hedging their bets because, like, Baisley looks surprisingly good at rebounding. Like, I saw I saw stats that I think he's one of, like, five people who have had five rebounds every game this year. Yep. Um, like, and and uh, protection of the rim from Bays has been really, really good this year, too. He's damn near been the best shot blocker outside of big men. Uh, yeah, this year too. And I think that's great. Right. The problem with him now, I saw like he's crossing dudes. Like yesterday against the Celtics, if you watch that game, he had like a behind the back drive and kick it out, which is like a beautiful play from big man. And right. then there's also like the next possession, he goes and blows a layup. So yeah. it's like, yeah, just he's a he's more for me. He's more frustrating than Poku because his skill set's a little more refined, and he's just like. I don't know if it's a mental discipline kind of thing or whatever it is, but like he just gets like 90% of the way there. And like the easiest. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Like, he, he does all the hard work a lot of the times and then just has trouble executing at the end, which is a, a very frustrating thing to watch for sure. But yeah. you got to keep in mind, he's still super young. Um, and for me, like I, I just am curious because you don't see it. Like I know it gets talked about, but you don't really see teams going about rebuilding the way the Thunder do as drastically as they have had. And I really do think it's, especially for, for a small market team. And I think part of the reason Presti did it is because I think you saw literally 10, 12 years ago, they did this landed Russ, KD and, and Harden obviously have to hit, but like, I think for small market teams, this is the best way to go about rebuilding um, and, and trying to be a, a title contender but I, I really don't feel like that many teams take this approach. In fact, Sam Hinkie tried. He's like the last guy to really kind of take this approach, and he got canned for it. So uh, do you guys think we'll see more teams try this moving forward? Drew? Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Yeah, um, honestly, I think a big part that the Thunder is a smaller market. That, you know, you go under the radar compared to the Sixers, Philadelphia, when they do it. Right. Um, also, the culture that's been said in the Thunder, like it's great that you mentioned it earlier. They were down by a lot. There's that calm. There's a good vibe about it. It's a great and, point. Yeah, and I think that's a big part is the culture they have is the problem with a lot of these tanking teams is you kind of circle of suck where you're just constantly losing. It's a losing mentality all the time. So even when you start getting all these really good players together, it doesn't match well because you're just used to losing. Um, so I think what the Thunder are doing is, is really unique, and especially without having that one a star already right there. I mean, right. everyone is really good, but having someone come in, I think Chris Paul and the other vets they bring in have been really good. But I think it's also pretty impressive without having all this vet leadership for these guys who uh, keep improving, and that just that the I think culture is the biggest part that's not replicatable for sure. That's a great point. Go ahead, Kyle. Go ahead. I don't know. Drew brought up like a really good point where like yeah. the vets, the Thunder only have like one or two roster spots for vets every year. And I think it's, I don't think it's an accident that everyone who gets brought in is a hard worker, great like mentality guy. Like, like Drew mentioned Chris Paul a few years ago, like who oh, better Horford. did young Horford, exactly. This yeah. year, Fate was under the radar. Like he yeah. doesn't every day, but that dude works his, like he works his butt off. That's a pro. That's a pro for sure. And so, yeah. like, we're not bringing in, like, J.R. Smith as our veterans. Right. And I think, like, to Drew's point where these teams just get caught in a, a cycle of losing, like, I think the reason we have this home you mentioned is, like, these guys are around people who want to win. And I yes. think whereas the 
the Timberwolves, for example, have all these, they get towns, they get all these young guys who develop and turn into good players, but they just have a, they have a losing culture. There. Yeah. And I think Chris is like focused on that too. I, I think that's where Red is going to be a little bit. I love that you brought the, both of you. I thought that was a great point. I didn't even think of that because it's it can be super, super dangerous. It, like, it's cool in theory, but when you lose 15 in a row, it is so easy to let that bleed and wear bleed into the culture and, and just wear. And I think a guy who deserves a ton of credit is just is Mark Dagnall. Like, I, I really think he's a really good coach. He gets the most out of his group. And I think, yeah, like, when you set that culture and, and just – give the mindset of it's just like a growth mindset there like in wins and losses like we are building towards something um and that's super hard to maintain over an 82 game season when you you know are out of talent deficit really every single game um so that's super unique in 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 that ability to create that and i think it's that's like the it worked out in theory for for philly because they landed joel and ben but like when they were losing, it was still it was a, it was like this laughable thing. And, and like everyone who was there is now gone. Whereas OKC, it's like. We're hoping that this is the group that eventually gets there. And obviously we might have some guys in and out, but like. Everyone, I think, feels a part of, hey, like I can be a part of of getting us there. And guys like I wouldn't I, I know people talk about it and they are far away right now, but like you have the one B you have the lockdown perimeter defender in Dort. You have the tall playmaker who can do a little bit of everything and is just a smart basketball player. Um, you just got to find the role pieces around him now and that 1A. And I I think OKC is as good of a bet as any rebuilding team right now, not even just because of the picks. Uh, obviously, that helps. But to be back, like, in semi-contention in two to three years. Yeah, and one dude we haven't mentioned at all who Drew will be happy to get a shout-out here, JRE. That's another guy. Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, has been wonderful. That's another guy. You know, Chris, love him. I'm pretty sure we took – and I might have numbers off by like one or two, but I'm pretty sure we picked him 32nd, right? Yeah, to get second that, round for sure. Second round for sure. Get that pick, though. We traded – if it was 32, we took him at. I think we traded 34 and 35 to move up to 32. So that was not like a, oh, he's sitting there, we're going to take him because we have right. a pick. That was a that calculated – this exactly. is our guy. Yeah. And that's like a like just his game. He's going to be in the league for 15 years. Like, like it, it, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal against this. Like I watched that game against the Celtics. He, he actually was the one who kept him in it mid third when no one else was hitting and they were leaving him open. And he's just like, never going to beat you. He's never going to do anything out there that hurts you. He stretches the floor. I've loved what I've seen from Jeremiah Robinson Earl and just finding guys like that. Um, are, are super key. It might not seem like much, but like getting a guy like that in Dort late is huge, huge value and, and can definitely be a, a valuable factor in turning this thing around. Um, well, I understand the role too, which is huge, especially as a young person, where I think sometimes you, you know, you want to do too much. And at least like, a lot of people are watching Jerry um, and most of the Thunder too, they know what they can do. They never try going that extra, like, Beyond where it starts becoming negative. That's where you get in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a huge, yeah. For, for I think also think just to like kind of bring back though, when you're talking about the pros and cons of minimal vet leadership, though, is I do think sometimes that does affect some of these players that need that help to become better by having vets that might help them develop. So about Poku, he might need might be somewhere, somewhere other team 
could probably develop him better if he has someone to really learn from where you might not really be getting that with the Thunder. Totally. So, I, yeah, so I think sometimes that's one aspect for sure. And especially with with a guy like Poku where it's it's such a unique skill set too, you know, and like I, I'm still like not sure what he is. Is he like this long playmaker who helps for others? Is he this rim protector? Like I, I just have no idea what he's supposed to be. It's like a cool concept, but I think, but really I love what the Thunder are doing. The only thing is like Poku and even with Poku, it's like they took him 17th overall. You miss, you still got 20 other first in your, in your back pocket. Like it's okay to, to swing for the fences. Like, like you mentioned earlier, there might be an 85% chance he doesn't pan out, but if he does pan out, it's, it's worth the risk for sure. Um, for sure. And I, well, I, have, um, I have one, so I've been saying a lot of good things about Thunder. I have one thing. Um, the one move I questioned so far is the Sengun trade. Um, so, because so, especially because we have that gaping hole at center. Um, yeah. And looks like there's a potential guy on the board. So, I, and this is a, talking about Thunder fan sentiment. This is the one move that a lot of people are questionable on. Because I think we moved him for like two firsts. Um, so it's like, if he becomes a player, the, we have so many firsts already. Like, what was what was the point of that? So that's that's something I'm curious to see how Presti uses those picks we got. And, For sure. And I th- I think part of that was just uh, like we talked about. Like I, I really do think you know he has this draft class circle. Like they should be in the mix for this. And you got Chet. You've got uh, some other really really talented bigs available at the top end of that draft. And I guess they just didn't. They didn't view Sangoon as that guy, um, and I get it, right? Like Sangoon has a, a, you know, coming in the draft. We watched him. Obviously, he's really advanced for his age and what he does. But like, he, there are some questions about his like long term, not even fit in the league because I know he'll be, like, he'll be good enough to play. Just he's like, like a cancer, right? Right. Like he could be a just a, and then it's cancer, right? And like, there's a really fine line between guys who put up really good stats and guys who do that and don't actually affect winning all that much, which is Ennis Cantor to a T. Um, and, and Sankun has like, I'm not, it's too early, so we don't know, but like, I, I think a lot of that was just, Hey, this draft class coming up is, is pretty loaded at big. We got our concerns about him uh, being the guy at center and we'll go, we'll take another two first, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And but I, I agree, guys. I, and I, I think, I think teams again. As long as you have a head coach that you believe in that is good at leading men, I think this is the best way as a small market to go about rebuilding. Um, all right, let's let's move forward to Colin Sexton. Um, very interesting case of Colin Sexton. I I feel like he was one of those guys coming into the year that just Got a bad rap. Um, and some of those concerns were valid, right? You know, in the past, he hasn't been the, I guess, most unselfish player. But you go through his numbers last year. In 35 minutes a night, he averaged 24 points, four assists, three rebounds on 40, almost 48% from the field um, and 37 from three, which are really, really good numbers. Um, it sounded like the Cavs were looking to, to find a spot for him ultimately couldn't um decided to go with him into the season 
he had a, a definitely a different role this year. Again, very small sample size, so hard to say if like that is who he was going to be. But his usage was down. Um, really, Garland was the primary ball handler. Rubio did a lot of that too, and Sexton was a, a lot of off the ball. And then he tears his ACL, which is obviously really tough, um, especially going into a free agent year where he was going to get money regardless of uh, the concerns. First question for you guys is how much how much do you guys think that affects his stock um, in terms of what he'll get. And where are you guys on him long-term as a, as a player? Whoever wants to can go ahead and start. Um, yeah, I'll start with that. So I think Sexton, um, I mean, obviously his injury really does suck for him. Um, yeah. In a way, I think he's basically passed. This would be my short answer. But I, I think what he would do and would probably want to prefer, the Cavs would want a long-term year deal. But I would think like some short-term deal kind of like prove it in his case to say, like, is this for real? Because then one piece of this is Mobley is their guy. They need to make sure that he really does mesh with Mobley. Um, and that, that, that doesn't work. They're a big East. There's not going to be a big East. But as you said, they already tried trading him. There was no one really out there. If someone wanted him, they would already trade him. I can't imagine they're they're asking for too much. And now that value is going to be lower. So I think it's in his best interest to stay there. I think he's a good player. I think, as you said, he was being off ball. He's not going to be the main ball distributor. Um, but he's a great shooter. Like, his stats are kind of crazy in that standpoint. He'd be a great – he could be a really good – if the Cavs can have a better distributor, I think – well, Rubio there for long term. With Rubio gone, I think that, like, he could be a really good team for that team. Yeah, I, Kyle, do you you want to chime in? I agree. Like, I honestly think Cleveland's probably – I go through the league. That's the other thing. I don't mm-hmm. see that many spots for Colin Sexton. I feel like the Cavs really make the most sense. Like, there's a gaping hole at two. He's been – he's grown up there. Like, why not stay there? But it comes down to what, if they're willing to pay him. What are, your, yeah. what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Totally agree with both of you. I think in a really messed up way, this might be a good thing for the Cavs because yeah. they clearly didn't love him at the 20 – the rumors were like, what, 20 to $30 million range? Yeah. Um, and this might knock him down a little bit. So now they're going to get the same dude they were getting, assuming his health comes back, right? Um, and now they're, they might be paying him in like the, the 15 to 20 range instead. So maybe at that price point, he's someone they want to keep around. And like you said, they have – so they got kind of their – they got their big man locked up. They're running like three seven footers in their starting five right now, which is no comment on that. But uh, and then now you got Garland, you got you got Sexton. Um, I'll leave out Okoro just because not going to talk about that guy right now. Are, are um, you not high on Okoro long term still? Like, are you out? No, no, no. I'm not on Okoro. No, no, no. Of course not. But in I think he's a better. Uh, he's a good player in real life. He's like, a better real life player than fantasy. Player. Yeah. Um, but not, anyways, we're not talking about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot his message. Hang on. <laughs> bad, bro. You can talk about Isaac Okor. Yeah. I, so, uh, I remember I now. So, like, I, I think the big thing that Cavs need to focus on is they have no wings. Like, that's why Laurie Markin is playing three. Okoro, I like Okoro, but he's like 6'4. He's not a he's two. Really not he's, a two. Yeah. he's a two. Um, and so they need to, this is good. I think this helps them tank. They're going to get good usage for their other young players, figure out what they have get a three in the draft, run it back with Sexton at a discount, essentially. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how I see 
because like you said we went we talked about this earlier we kind of went through that could make sense and it's like there's not too many teams right now that could use him as a starter and i don't i think he's way too good to be a six man so it's yeah. like the cap just for him too the Cavs make a lot of sense yeah i'm with you guys i was going through the only two teams that like semi made sense for me were like and, and even both of them that's not like a smash fit uh were maybe dallas um and maybe maybe detroit but so either- I'm not joking. Talk to talk about exactly that so yeah huh? right, yeah right there with you yeah we yeah. thought that detroit could make some sense yeah yeah detroit detroit seems to have this like hey we're willing to to buy low on some of these guys and they're 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 in the okc kind of stage too except again there you saw they'll bring in a jeremy grant and, and guys like that instead of just all young guys but it's it's probably the closest comparison to okc where it's a good culture that uh has talented guys that just need to grow and, and learn how to play with each other but i think ultimately you guys are right i think he ends up back uh up in cleveland at probably a slightly reduced cost but i think that works out great for cleveland i think at this point in time medicine and and the way we're seeing a lot of these athletes bounce back the achilles Besides Katie, I'm still not sure that that's something we can just say now everyone's going to come back, you know, well from. But the ACL, I think we have enough evidence. Like, you know, if, if you work hard and put the time in, your body should, especially if you do it at a pretty young age, you should be able to get back to who you are. So I hope it doesn't cost him too much money in the future. And he gets a ton of shit, but I, I really do think that he could uh, definitely work out in Cleveland. And they have a really nice young cord too, right? They, they did get their guy in Mobley. Um, and so I think Cleveland's going to be in the thick of it for, for a while. It might take them a little while to be like a true contender, but I, I really, I'm pretty bullish on, on Cleveland long-term too. And a lot of that does come with Mobley. Shout out, shout out USC. Yeah. Right on there, but, um, now also just one other thing about Sexton. He's a dog. Like you watched that three on five Bama, Minnesota clip a few times. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Oh, when they were literally down that many men. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you can't. I love that dude. So I'm, I'm always, I've always been a fan of him since I saw that, and I'm, I'm rooting for him there. So I hope he comes back healthy, and hopefully they figure it out in Cleveland. Yep, yep. Um, perfect segue into a guy who will be making a return from a torn ACL, also a, a torn Achilles. My guy, Clay Thompson, is should be returning. He got cleared today to rejoin practice in full capacity. Uh, probably doesn't, you know play an NBA game for another couple of weeks, but the light is actually officially at the end of the tunnel. And I think I have, I personally have not met a person yet who doesn't like Clay Thompson as a person, you know? Um, and, and I think also people truly forget how good he is at basketball. Um, are you guys excited? I know. I, I don't know if you remember game six, Clay Kyle, but I mean, that was yeah. one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And that uh, led to like the worst day of my life too, because I went to Game Seven at Oracle, and uh, that was not fun either. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, how you guys feel about Clay? Are you Clay fans? And how do you honestly like? I know we didn't really have this, but how do you feel like that affects the war? Like, are you bumping them up even more with Clay? Like, where are you guys at on him? Because again, brutal, brutal stretch of injuries. They're like 14 and two right now, right? Something they are like 14 and two. They are 14. So I don't know how much further, like, where am I bumping them up to? You know, <laughs> right. But, right. but it's still I, 
Definitely, but uh, it obviously this only raises their ceiling. Um, I am curious because Pool has really found a groove, right? Like yeah. Pool looks good. He's developing, and and uh, unless I'm missing uh, some sort of rotational change, like this definitely is going to cause a little conflict in terms of their usage, right? Like you can't just have all of these dudes running. Yeah, all the time. I think um, the, I think the saving grace in all that is okay. Pool's bumped out of the starting lineup, but now he. Like when he's on the like he because he does Kerr tries to stagger the Kerr or the the staff pool minutes, uh, but there are plenty of minutes where they you know where they overlap, and so I think I think my selling point would be hey, every time you're on the floor, you are going to be the guy, and if you're hot, you'll close at times over Wiggins or or and and Clay's going to be on on a minutes limit early on too, so there's definitely still a huge role for Jordan Poole. Um, yeah. I, I guess I don't know Larson. Huh? Like a like the usage how Utah uses Clarkson kind of. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great example. Like where dude Clarkson could play 20 minutes and take 20 shots. Like I don't know if, if Poole's gonna take 20 shots a game or a shot a minute, but he'll absolutely have the green light. I'm I'm just really curious to see how he comes back. Apparently, all the talk is, and I haven't had watched him with my own eyes, that he is who he was. Like he's not. They're, and again, what are they going to say? Oh, I've been watching him. He actually looks really <laughs> shitty. But like, I don't know. Like, I it's I can't remember an athlete coming off of an athlete that prominent coming off of those injuries at still semi prime years. You know, so I'm just super curious to see what what would you what would you guess, Drew? What yeah. are you expecting? I guess. What do you expect? Yeah. Yeah, no, it will be interesting, and I think that for sure there'll be a minutes restriction. What will be the best to, like, by the end of the year, what the minutes will be like? If anything, that kind of works out well. Um, so it's not just some hard change right? with all those minutes. So, I mean, I love Clay Thompson back in the, you know, when the Warriors were kind of the, uh, everyone hated them for a bit. Um, Clay Thompson was always the guy that I love still. But, yeah, uh, yeah but I, I mean, I... Achilles are scary. Like Achilles, I mean, I don't even like touching my own Achilles. Can't imagine tearing yeah. it. Oh, um, so that one is scary. But I do think he will be fine because of his game. I, his defense would be what will be interesting. That I would worry me maybe a bit. Yeah. That maybe he doesn't. They might switch sometimes guarding on who he's guarding because of that. But I think his offense is going to be fine. He's not so much of a he's just a, you know catch and shoot type of guy. Right. Which yeah. benefits that. So it's not like I think some like Katie worried of me a lot more than Clay. Totally. Sure. Yeah. I think the only uh, my main concern is defense. So I, I I think that's where I'm really excited to watch him because I, I there's no way he forgot to shoot. Like he's still gonna be. He's had plenty of time to shoot. He's had plenty yeah. of time. To shoot. Um, and I I'm with you guys because that's he he's had a prompt people don't realize it i mean some do for sure but but i'd say the general nba public doesn't realize how much of a defensive stopper he's been in the past and and how much he really really does care about that end and you need to be able to move laterally you need to be able to push off and explode in a lot of different situations so yeah i'm definitely uh curious in that not so much worried about the offense but overall just overwhelmingly excited uh to have that guy back on the court it's it's crazy that it's been – I actually don't know how many days, but it's been over two years since he's played mm-hmm. an NBA basketball game and one of the yeah. best players in the NBA. Um, right, let's let's keep it rolling. Let's go – obviously – so, funny enough, had a uh, topic 
coming. I know Luke Walton would have been the favorite, but uh, coming to this podcast, we we're going to talk about, hey, who is the who's going to be the first NBA coach to be fired? Um, and obviously there have been rumors about Walton, but, you know, he had had stretches last year and the year before where they lost 10 in a row and there were all these rumors and Kings fans were mad and nothing ever really happened. Um, so I, you know, coming into this, obviously it didn't look good, but I wasn't, I didn't think it was going to happen like as soon as it did. Um, and going back to the OKC thing, like the Kings are, I don't know about you guys, but like the, I, I like the group of personnel that the Kings have. I really do. And I know, you know, they have, maybe they're a little bit guard heavy, but I don't, what do you guys think about drafting best available versus fit? I know it's, you know, there's a, there's a fine line, obviously, you know, I get why a team, why the Rockets would have maybe taken Jalen over Mobley, even if they thought Mobley was slightly better given where they are, but overall, what's your, what's your guys' take on drafting fit? for fit versus best available. And, and I guess what's the threshold of how much better someone has to be to take them over someone uh, who's maybe a better quote fit. I would, I'd always go best available. I think that fit, unless it's, unless it's very, unless it's comparable. It's marginal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, let's say some, like Marge, like, okay, like this person might be, you know, 99 is versus 90, like something super close. But otherwise, yeah. I think you always have to go best available because if that person becomes a star and you're stuck with someone that's a fifth, but okay, he fits your team, great, but he's not a star, like that, you just kind of passed up. And I think that's where a lot of teams start trying to get a little too cute that way. And there's other ways you can manipulate your roster where you, you can get someone in free agency, you could trade for someone for that fit, you need also getting the best player so i i'm always a big component of best available i that's where teams usually mess up yeah or you take the pick that's kind of those two things yeah uh, i'm i'm completely with you I'm completely with you. kyle yeah I, agree. Like, I guess going back like you guys are cool because people i guess what i'm trying to how i'm trying to tie this in is i think some people will defend walton and say the personnel not, isn't helping him but like i really do think despite davion and Halliburton being their last two first, I, I really think that's helped their team more than like I think yeah. they'd be in a much worse spot, you know, if they well, didn't to tie it back into our other conversation. If you talk about like teams that have that like losing culture, like circle stuff type of thing I mentioned, that's the Kings. Like they have all these great players, like they're really fun to watch. Like I really do enjoy watching them, but it's just Everything about the culture is really bad. I mean, you have that entire Bagley mess. Luke Walton kind of went in with his own uh, scandals and then more stuff that occurred during, like, that's where the culture of the team is just all over the place. They have no identity. Because as you said, I'm a big fan of the personnel they have. I didn't mind them drafting Davon Mitchell. Like, he's he was a lot of fun also to watch in college. So, yeah. Um, Defense right away. And the, the other thing with fit, too, is, like, it's funny, like, obviously, these guys are insane at what they do. They're professional basketball players. But it's very clear that some people are in the NBA purely based on the physical tools. And the the basketball side of things, it, it can be so infuriating to watch certain players who have tons of tools, but it never translates because they, they don't actually know the basketball mind side of things, right? And that's just something you never have to worry about with Davion, especially not you know, Tyrese Halliburton. So I think it's going to be an attractive job going forward. And uh, while, you know, Walton doesn't deserve all the blame, I, you know, he's had so many shots now to lead 
teams and a, a group and, and he hasn't shown to be successful really in any way. So I didn't think it was really unfair. Um, and, uh, but, but at the same time too, this is one of those things, again, tying it in where it's like, I know they lost to the jazz and I know they've had some tough losses, but they've had some good wins too. Like, I, I just don't think you can get too high or too low. I know in this situation, it, it, they have some history, um, but like, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Kings snuck into the play-in throughout the year. I don't know. I just, it's weird to me when teams fire coaches like 13 games into the year or 14 games in the year. Like I'd rather have just it come in the off season. Like, did you not think there was going to be a stretch where they struggled? Like it's 82 games that, that, you know, I'm right there with you. It's funny because obviously we both went to USC and we dealt with Clay Helton for like five years. And yeah, obviously, the most obviously, weird job in the world. Since yeah. day one, we knew he wasn't the guy. And, and yeah. we fired, I think we fired him after week two this year. And yeah. it's like, what's the point? We let him. Yeah. Like, yeah. just if you're that skeptical about him where you're confident enough to fire him after week two, you should, if you're good at your job, you should have fired him after last season or like five years ago in this case. But yeah, same idea goes here. I actually think I like their odds again in the playoff game or the playing game more now. Um, I think, like like Drew said, the Kings have a really fun roster. I think they probably need another big man if they're not going to use Bagley because although Matthew is like a USC legend, he probably shouldn't be playing this this amount of minutes on like a competing team. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, Drew, you had I, – I thought Drew had Matthew. I was like, God damn, there's just another guy that Drew picks up. <laughs> I was so happy I saw him on the Spurs. When when did you even lose him? I had to, I had to drop him because he wasn't playing at all. So I was like, shoot, I need players. Like, that. you know, the first week panic mode. Yeah. When, oh, yeah the first week panic mode, I was like, all right, I got to drop something to pick someone else up. And so I dropped him. I think the very next day, that was like when he basically started. He started. And I'm like, great, great. That's, yeah, that's tough timing. Yeah, um, but I, I'm with you. Do you guys and, and Alvin Gentry's the coach? Do you guys have? Is there anyone in your mind? Uh, I, I think Kenny Atkinson would be a good fit there. I don't know how you guys feel about him, but is there anyone that pops up to you that's like, again, they can't take come over mid mid season? I don't know that the T Wolves did that with Finch, but I doubt that happens again. Um, who are some guys you'd like to see take over there? Honestly, didn't put too much thought into that side of it. Um, no, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't either. I was just started thinking. I think Kenny Atkinson honestly makes a lot of sense. But. I really think they need someone that's not like, I guess this is really obvious, but they need to really focus, I think, on the maturity side. Someone that the players can kind of go around. Um, I don't think he has to be the best basketball mind in that sense. Like, it just needs to be an adult yeah. in the room. It seems that like they're lacking. Like, Luke Walton was not an adult in the room, unlike. I think as basketball mind, he's good, but not like he's clear he doesn't know how to lead a team. And they really need a true yeah. leader for that roster because it is kind of thunder. It's a very young roster. They need leaders. Yeah. And that in this case it has to be coming from the coach. Yeah, I I agree 100%. I'm not going to say like X's and O's are like overrated, but like I think leadership and being able to get your guys to buy in every single day and not panic when you go lose three games is, is just as important as the X's and O's side of things, you know? And every time, every time the Kings started to lose like three, four games, it was just like panic mode. And I think that comes from, yeah, just not having a guy at the top who really calms everything down. And, um, yeah. 
I'm with you. That's that's definitely what they have to prioritize moving forward in this coaching searches. I don't I kind of think going off that too is like I don't think this next coach is a long-term solution. I think it's just gonna be someone that's going to build that, that kind of uh that kind of culture I'm talking about that leadership and then it gets passed off of to a x's and o's type of guy that will take them to the next level like I kind of see this as a three to four years type of thing like not not a very long coaching hire almost kind of reminds me of the situation the Hawks were in right because they what was his name Pierce right they had him then they they can't he was more the raw raw although yeah Nate Nate has some of that too um but yeah Nate is clearly a better x's and o's coach Um, but I think Pierce laid the foundation. He was right. kind of he was hard on the guys when they needed it. He he kind of built people up when they needed it, and then that left them better off for the guy who takes over. Exactly, and, and I think you saw the Warriors do that exact same thing too, where it was Mark Jackson being there for the the come up and giving those young guys confidence, and then once they reach that point, all right, let's get a guy who can really optimize them around the X's and O's with Steve Kerr. So I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I uh, don't know who it'll be, but will be very interesting because, again, a lot of these teams, it's a lot of these rebuilding teams have a ton of talent. It's just like who can put it together the, the quickest and have their guys take leaps. And there's a lot of different things that go into that. But Sacramento is really has a ton of talent. It's just going to come down to who can, you know, optimize that group. And it is a little bit of a, a weird fit, a lot of guards, but it can work for sure, at least in a sixth seven seed type of way um in the short term all right let's talk about uh the chicago bulls who are currently playing right now and i'd love to hear just off the bat coming into the season what you guys thought because i've talked a lot about it on this pod i did talk about it like i wasn't i wasn't sold on the bulls coming in as a contender um and and a large reason was fair or not i'd never seen levine lead a team um, in a winning way, right? Even last year when they had Booch, didn't happen. I'd never seen Booch do that. Obviously, they had some like seven ACs on Orlando, but like, you know, whatever. Uh, I had never seen Lonzo be on a really good team. I'd never, and, and DeMar had some good years in Toronto, but like, he's one of those weird guys where you watch him and he's obviously very clearly talented, but the advanced numbers have never really liked him. He'd been not super good on D either. So I just was like, I don't know how this is all going to work. Uh, Billy Donovan, shout out the Thunder again. Actually, I think has done a really, really good job. But um, so I'm, I'm personally surprised at, at how well they played so far this year. Before we get into if we think this is for real, um, you know where we have them in the pecking order. What was your guys's? What were you guys expecting um, about the Bulls coming in? I'm kind of with you because it, it's a bunch of misfits. As you said, these are people that came from all these, like the teams never really want them. The fan base, or they didn't believe in like Lynn Levine's case. And they're kind of a bunch of misfits that were just chip on the shoulder guys brought together that it kind of could have imploded really easily. Like I it just was like, okay, this looks like this might be a very bad scenario and they're going to get sh- all shipped out maybe halfway right. through this. So, so you were with me. Yeah. 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 Same, same thing. It was like, that's cool. But yeah, I was, (laughs) but, but then here we are, here we are where they're playing great defense and it's, it's one of those things too, where like, they just, they seem to really like playing with each other. And obviously that really helps, but I I thought there'd be some clunkiness of, all right, when is it Levine's turn? When is it DeMar's turn? When is it even Lonzo's turn? And they, 
just like vibed off of each other so well. Sometimes it's Levine, sometimes it's Samar, sometimes it's both. Lonzo kind of fills in there. And then they have great, like we talked about it with the Thunder, they have great role filler pieces. Guys that understand their role, Derek Jones Jr., Caruso. Um, that's really, they're, they're not that all, all that deep either. But like everyone that comes in understands their role. Uh, Javante Green's been been big for them too. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Where, where do you guys have them in the East right now in terms of likelihood to come out of the East? If you're we ranking had, the top five. We had this, we had a conversation. The way we like framed this was like, do you buy them or sell them as this year's sons? And it's kind of how we we're thinking about it. Okay. That I, for me, that I think that's a great way to look at it. Um, I think I'm selling in terms of this year's sons or last okay. year's sons. Sorry. Uh, just because the sons made the finals, you know, like, I buy him in terms of, you know, team that out made a big move and outperforms maybe what people originally thought. Um, but I'm not buying them as a team that has all that great of a chance to come out of the East in my mind. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't bet on them in the finals, but I also look back on the Suns run and they kind of took advantage of the path that was put in front of them, right? They faced some pretty beat up teams. And I think if if you put the Bulls, and I think the Bulls are good enough where if they get a, a series of good luck, they could capitalize on it in that way. Yeah. Um, and one other X factor, like we haven't mentioned his name yet, Patrick Williams. Really excited. I, I think he's due back in like a couple months. I'm very, first off, curious, like if they're still cooking how they're cooking now, like how are they going to bring him back in and integrate him? Because like For he's sure. a lockdown defender. I didn't even realize if you're looking at stats, he shot like 48% as a rookie, which is yeah. phenomenal. Um, and he could really be a difference. He seems like the kind of guy who's a better playoff player than a regular season player just because his skill set fits really yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. So It's absolutely good. It sounds like I'm the high guy on the Bulls, but I, I think they have – Okay, where would you I, rank them? But, and I agree. Like, if I think if things lined up well and things broke their way, they are good enough to take advantage of that. But in terms of, like, creating their own luck and going and beating – like, I don't even know if I have them third in the East. I think they're in the conversation. That's the highest I would put them, potentially. Like, I think what, what the Nets and the Heat are probably one, two right now for you, right? Uh, Yeah, and then I, I'd still put the Bucks over them, too, regardless of their start. I don't know. Like, maybe I, I also – the Bulls games I watched recently were against the, the Clippers and then the Lakers where they went into L.A. and beat them back-to-back. And just what you said earlier, like, the vibe of the team, like – they felt like a really well-oiled team right now. And that was without Vucevic. So, I don't know. I, I, I could see it pretty good. If I was betting, I might bet on them over the Bucks right now. Okay, so, so you have them three or four. Drew, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm definitely more with you. I, I think, you know, there's always a lot of this and buts, you know, that happen and maybe you could get it. But I don't know. I, I think the big part that we mentioned, that you mentioned earlier was the depth. I don't really trust their depth uh, long-term, especially when it comes to playoff times. If one person goes down, I don't really believe in them. Um, and kind of going on, they're all chip on the shoulder. Guys, like, you know, I, I don't know who's going to be the person that takes over the game. The Bucks, you want to put them over the Bucks. I trust Giannis more than anyone else. I mean, that's not really a hot take at all, but, like, you know, yeah. Giannis didn't actually close out the game. Who's going to be the person on the Bulls that does that? And – I, I'd put them – I mean, I wouldn't put them that low. Maybe, like, 
I guess we're on four or five, like mid-pack in the playoffs. I could see them maybe making a run, but I don't see them getting past the Eastern Conference Finals at all. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I have them, like, if we're if we're grouping it into tiers, just, just like, overall, I think there's, like, a – for me, there's, like, a, okay, like, real true contender tier. And that, to me, is, like, Warriors, Lakers, Nets, Heat, Bucks. And then I think there's like a could definitely do it, but need some things to break their way tier. And I think the Bulls are in that. I think like the Nuggets are in that. I think like the fuck, maybe the Sixers are potentially in that and the Hawks are in that. Um, but I definitely think there's a, a difference in class between them and the, and the top tier. But they proved me completely wrong to this point. So, you know, we're still super early in and we'll see. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, no, for the, I, I actually fully agree with you. I just think they're at the top of that second tier. I, I yeah. think, like, if I had to bet on someone in that in that tier, I, I, like, I don't think they're, like, a full contender. But, like, if I had to bet on someone in that, that tier, too, I think my money would be on the Bulls right now. Yeah. I think that's right. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, the thing okay, – so, like, Rose, I know, has a very good reputation on the league. And especially if we kind of go with our previous of the Suns. They had Chris Paul. Like, they have a leader. I don't know, like – Who's that leader when things do uh, – eventually uh, there's going to be some points of the season that things go tough. I don't know who yeah. – uh, the Bulls slow that down. Like, I'm not sure who would be I think the mo- I, I feel like it's Levine. I think that's another thing with Levine, right, is, like, obviously he hasn't won anything yet, but I think that he's clearly gotten better as a winning player, and I think a lot of that, too, that goes overlooked is his leadership. I think I've definitely seen a growth in that area. Um, but you're right in that, like, in an 82-game season, like, unless you're just completely dominant, there's just – there's going to be tough stretches. And and we I want to personally, yeah, see how they handle a rough stretch or two and come out the other side of it um, because that's that's huge. That's that's the other thing is, like, in the playoffs, it's a completely different brand of basketball. Um, and your mental toughness is just t- tested to another level. And – you know, a lot of these teams that we're considering, we know the Nets can respond. We've seen the Bucks respond. We know LeBron and AD are going to respond. We've seen the Warriors do, you know, things like that. So uh, can can we feel confident enough in that with the Bulls? I don't know. I don't know. But I get what you guys are saying. And things look really, really good early on. Um, go ahead. Have, yeah, no, I have, like, two last thoughts on the Bulls. So, like, first off, on the depth piece, their team, that like, that city is so starved for a winner. I think if they're, like, looking good at the deadline, I don't think we're, what we're looking at on their roster now is anything close to what their playoff roster will look like. So, obviously, we can only, like, judge them on, like, what's what's in front of us right now. But that that's team and, like, that front office is going to go in, like, when it's when the time is right. Um, yeah. But and- that's a – I was going to say, you don't – is that more of a buyout thing? Or, like, what are the tri- – like, P-Will's not available, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not, but like at some point you could just start sending picks in like twenty sixty four or whatever. Like, like you know, like if, if, like I think the Bulls really want to win, and I, I'm like, just in terms of like that betting, like I, that's kind of in the back of my mind there. And then the, the the other part of it also, I see a lot of the dudes on that team as guys who play up in the playoffs. Like I, I really value like people who are just down to get a bucket and also down to miss a shot, right? And like Levine and Demar are both that. I think Vucevic might play down a little bit in the playoffs just because. He's kind of lumbering, and we've seen that kind of archetype get get exposed a little bit. 
Um, but then like Caruso's a winner. Lonzo's, in my eyes, like a real winner. Winner. Yeah. Yeah, and so like those kind of dudes, like having a lot of them adds up, especially when guys are playing more minutes. Like the depth doesn't matter as much, and if you got four winners on the court, like I don't know, I don't, I don't want to count them out totally. Yeah, I feel you. Drew, anything else you want to add, bro? Um, no, I mean, like I'm down on the Bulls long term, but I, it's really cool is to see how well they are doing because, like, we kind of just on the earlier, there were a lot of castoffs. Like, it, it is really cool to see yeah. them do well. Very cool to see Lonzo that on few teams, Caruso, you know, the Lakers kind of hid and didn't want to resign. Um, I mean, Demar's been all over. Like, I don't think there's anyone in the league who probably feel worse than Demar after the Hawaii <laughs> trade. Yeah. Um, we'll see. And also being just a kind of little negative rep and stuff that he's not a winner. Can he lead a team? So it is really cool to see them, but uh, yeah. I still need to be in the playoffs for me to believe it. Uh, I'm, I think I'm exactly with you, Drew. But I, I agree. It's rare that you see this sort of uh, construction in terms of like a playoff team. Usually it's it's homegrown or you add one. And this is like we had our star, we traded for another star, and then we added two guys who are good but not like they're there yet. And then we're just trying to fill around them. Um, and I'm very curious to see how it works out. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Basketball, anything that caught your mind, anything that as you were brainstorming today, you're like, that'd be kind of interesting. If not, it's okay. We can talk about, like, who we got in the finals. But this is your time. If, if there's something on your mind. Yeah, uh, all right. Very, very fresh on my mind. So, obviously, yeah. I'm a Thunder fan. I don't think we have much of a shot at the, the ring this year. Um, <laughs> and so I've kind of been, like, floating around between who I'm rooting for. And it just out of respect and adoration for Russ, I've kind of been pulling for the Lakers. Obviously, he's not not having his best year. Um, but then I saw this stuff go down with LeBron and Stu today. So I'm yeah. for the I'm no longer rooting for the Lakers. I think I might be rooting for the Bulls now. So, <laughs> we got we got USD legend Demar Derozan on the team. Um, Vucevic. Vucevic, another wow! I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, Vooch, yeah, wow, that that has to be your team, bro. All right, so this is right here. You heard it here first. I'm a Bulls fan, <laughs> man, bro. But the Bulls have two of their starters, two USC, two UCLA. Yeah, dang, that's contentious, right? Yeah, are you sure? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll even go through the bottom guys. No, yeah. Regardless, but, that's. Uh, but yeah, I know LeBron is a he's a wuss for that. That was disgusting. And also, I love Isaiah Stork forever. That man is a, a beast. That man, he just doesn't back down. And and Bron is just like obviously a great basketball player, but he, he's just so dramatic and he is he's so extra. I crack up slash. I either am cracking up or so annoyed when I'm watching LeBron just because you've seen it for so long now. Um, and I love that because you don't see that either because some a lot of these guys just worship Brown, you know, but Stu literally looked like he wanted to murder him. That was the craziest thing. There was like the it took the whole were you guys watching it live? Oh not live, but we were watching replays. It was crazy. Dude, it took the whole organization to, <laughs> to get him back in the lock. And did you see when he finally got down into the tunnel? You realized like, all right, I can't, they got me cornered. He sprinted and it looked like he was trying to get to the other side of the tunnel through the tunnel. It's just crazy. No, I love him. And it's, people forget, like last year, he beefed with Giannis and he, beef, he beefs with Blake Griffin all the time. Like he's not yeah. afraid of anyone. So no, I you need those guys. You know, yeah. Lou Dortz, Isaiah Stewart. Um, 
for sure. Who do you guys? You go ahead, Drew. Go ahead. Uh, kind of on the LeBron topic. So, um, I mean, going to Lakers, it was he gave Scott full control of the franchise. Do you think with how if they can continue to perform poor this year, they don't even reach the finals, that he loses some of his say and control? Yeah, um, that's a really interesting question. I, I think as long as LeBron is employed by a team in which he is the guy, I think he'll continue to have it um, for for better or for worse. Um, and, and I think it's clear to this point, like, LeBron chose Russ. Like, I, I don't think Polinka would have went this way if it were up to him. I think that is what LeBron wanted. Uh, but that's an interesting question. I would honestly, I would guess as long as he's still playing at a semi all-star level, which I think he clearly is still, he's going to have a lot of control in, in what they do. Um, and yeah, it'll be interesting because, you know, I've been, I've been kind of playing this game for a while. Like, all right, when is he going to finally lose a step? And he, even when he quote loses a step, it's still plenty enough. So I, I don't know when that time is going to come. And It'll be interesting if it comes this year, you know, you get back-to-back years where you're, you know, last year get bounced in the first round. Anything less of a championship this year is is a disappointment. Um, if the Lakers start to look towards the future more, I, I don't know. I still think we're a little bit ways away from that, but that's that's how I feel personally. He definitely feels more mortal than he ever has to me. Yeah. Like, I would never bet against him previously, and now I feel like that's on the table kind of. Um, yeah. So it'll, it'll be interesting to watch the year develop. I do think people might be writing them a little bit too hard off. Because, like, if you remember just specifically with Westbrook, how he started the year really poorly last year and everyone was all down on him. And then at the end of the year, he's he's scoring, like, 34, 12 assists, 12 boards, and not even in, like, like in winning games for the Wizards. So right. he usually takes some time. He's to a slow starter for sure. That's yeah. what the way his game is. So, yeah. Let's see how they look with him. And then they sign like 20 random guys in the offseason. They're still trying to mesh. So it takes a little. Yeah. On, on that note, then, guys, before we head out, what, uh, give me your finals prediction right now in terms of who's meeting in the West, who's meeting in the East, and who, uh, who comes out. I, so I guess I guess I can go first. I, I don't feel confident in anyone right now. Like if you if you were giving me odds, I'd take the field kind of thing. Um with that said, I guess I not much of a hot take. I like the Nets and then maybe give me the Jazz, just because I, I don't I'm not buying the Lakers right now, obviously. Um and I, I really like the Nuggets team, but just every literally everyone is hurt right now. So it's yeah. hard to um um so I guess give me the that's jazz right now. I don't feel confident about. I like that. I like that. I think that would be super fun. I wanted that last year. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah. No. Coming like this is the first year in the bit. I guess it's we probably slowly where there's like is more parity. Like these are here's the clear favorites. Like you don't really feel that this year. Yeah. Um. And even right now, like, the teams that are doing the best. But I mean, right now, I, I would have to say just the way the Warriors are playing in the West. And they get clay back, like they just kind of seem. I know I wish I don't like to say, but they just seem like a team on the kind of prove everyone wrong. I mean, Steph's kind of been quote forgotten. Um, and then I mean on the east, I, I still think the Nets are the, the best team. I mean, they're Katie's big toe away from most likely probably winning it last year. So yeah. without Kyrie and James Harden at 75%, for sure. I'm yeah. with Drew. Me and Drew lining up pretty pretty well this pod. I, I got the Warriors and the Lakers. <laughs> or sorry, 
the Warriors and the Nets. I, I really do. Um, and I, I'm not necessarily even out on the Lakers. It's just a lot to work with. And, it, and it's not even like last year, like it was a down year for the West, right? Like, I, I and you could say it's quote down still this year, right? Kawhi's hurt. There's no like crazy, crazy st- away from the field type of team, but like there's still some really, really good teams. And I, I think, I think the, the Lakers will be in the mix, but it's not like, like I'd feel more confident about them in, if this makes any sense, if this were their team last year, or if their team last year was this team, I would feel a lot more confident because there was still so much more up in the air last year, but I think there are more solid teams at the top. Um, and I think it's going to be tough for them to not necessarily turn it around, but really reach the ceiling that they need to get to um, in order to win it all. So I'm going Warriors and Nets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, I guess touching the Lakers more. I, I just don't trust. They, they're just so old. And that I feel like, even though I know LeBron likes the old guys in the past, it's, you need those young spry people for the minutes that actually want to play defense. And they're just, they're just all that's like it's like the only thing they're going after is people from the retirement community yeah <laughs> there's a lot of what was available uh, towards the end <laughs> but no i'm with you i got warriors i got nets and i honestly think in the west i still think i, I again it might be a little bit of an overreaction i think i still have the jazz and the suns over the lakers at this point yeah that's what I'm at. Any, anything else, guys? I appreciate Dark Horse from a team. Yeah, Dark Horse from a team from either or even one that a team that wouldn't be a – like, good team you think Chance might miss the playoffs. Oh, wow. Oh, good teams that might miss. Oh, uh, that's, that's a good question. Miss or, like hmm. – hmm. Just a surprising one, I think, is – the Pacers, because it seemed like they internally thought they were going to be really good this year, yeah. and not seeing it so far. So that, that's kind of yeah. That was what I was going to say. No, yeah, I was going to say that's kind of where I was heading. That was like the obvious. I'll go in a different direction. Um, uh, Blazers, I'll go Blazers. Um, I, I do. I think they make the playoffs. I think they probably make the playoffs. But like, if I'm if I'm that front office, I'm blowing it up. I really am. I think I've seen it run its course. I know teams like the Suns last year can give them hope, uh, but I don't – I think we've seen Dame, CJ, Nurk, because uh, they have good pieces around them. I, I mean, they literally got eliminated to the Nuggets without Jamal Murray last year. Like, that, I I just think we've seen enough from them, um, and, and I'm kind of at the point where – as a GM, I, I realize, hey, this isn't good enough to win it all. Let's kind of scale back. Dame could get us a – I know he's the heart and soul of, of Portland, but when we're looking at just optimizing, you know, value, I think this is the time. Um, so, I know I kind of got sidetracked. That's not even what you – the question was. <laughs> I go the way. You know that? Do you think Dame gets changed mid-season now? That's like kind of how you think their season I, I don't know if he will because I really – I think as long as he wants to be there, Portland doesn't have the balls to, to do it. Um, but I think if – I think it would make sense. Like, I think that's what I would be considering. I don't know what the packages would be, but, like, you you have to be able to get considerable value. And you've seen, like – we've seen it so many times in the past now where 
you know, teams have been jump-started because of the – like even the Thunder. We're going to look back, and that Paul George package was unbelievable, unbelievable. The AD – I know it hasn't worked out for the Pelicans yet, but the, the package they got for AD was was unbelievable. You know, even the Bucks, uh, what the Bucks gave the Pelicans for Drew, like I just think com- stars command so much now. Like I, I think Dame can just get you right, right back on track in terms of, you know – being a, a fun rebuilding team. And I just think they have to have the balls to, to cut ties, but I don't think it happens. Um, go ahead. Doju. I know original question. Good team that you think misses it. I mean, I was always there at the Pacers, but I, I'll change it a little bit just based off of last year's performance and just my certainties, the Hawks. I think there's the East is stronger this year. Like the East kind of took over as being the better. Um, yeah. Overall better. conference. Yeah, so I think the Hawks, I'm not confident at all, at all. Like, I think our three, I'm the least confident with mine. But I'll, I'll throw them out there. Just there's there's streaky of a team, and you don't know when that streak's going to – what side it's going to be at the end of yeah. the year. I, I <laughs> love the Hawks. I personally love the Hawks, but I get it in that they are – you'd like to see more consistency. You'd, you'd like to see them not have to be at home and have a bunch of rest and have a nationally televised game to, like, get up for these games, you know? Like, there's been just so many times where they come out flat. But in terms of just the talent and even the coach, like, I really like them. It's just – it just hasn't been great so far in terms of consistency. And I still don't know that offense is just – it's too – it's almost James Harden-esque back with Houston where it's like – I know Trey's really, really good at what he does, but like at a certain point, I just think there has to be more balance in terms of other guys initiating, just in terms of rhythm and flow and having other guys feel involved. And then when it's Trey Young pick and roll at the top of the key seven straight times, I just think it gets old. So I, I agree. But I, I think over the course of time, things work themselves out. In that, in that cool. Hey, I appreciate you guys joining. I know it's late out in New York. Uh, Drew, safe travels. Kyle, hey. you guys are welcome anytime. I'd love to get you guys back on here in a couple weeks, but uh, appreciate you guys. No, this is super fun. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. This is really cool to do. Of course. And, and if there's ever like a a topic or something comes up and you're like, I want I need to just talk my way through all this, let me know and we'll get you guys back on. perfect safe travels drew thank you everyone for tuning in as usual uh we'll be back next week with two more idiots um have a good week guys peace